Chops TV. You will be chopped. Know what that means? Licking my chops. Today I will show you how to do a karate chop. Simply saying, no, he doesn't have the chops to do what it takes. New thing. I'm busting chops. Welcome to Chops TV, featuring Jennifer Lopez. Now here's Chops. Psych, it's not Chops. We're having a little experiment today over at Chops TV, where I start the show and Mark sits here and looks really, really cute. You can follow us on Twitter at Chops TV and, uh, and oh, dang it, I messed up already. At underscore Chops TV. At underscore Chops TV. At Chops 971 the fan. Jen Lopez underscore. And if you are on Instagram because you like to click pictures of hot girls and like them, um, Instagram at Jen Lopez underscore. Are you the picture of hot girls on Instagram? Is that where all the pictures come from? Probably not. I feel like if you're a Twitter user who goes to Instagram for that sort of thing, you're looking at like gym, gym baddies. Gym baddies. I am not a gym baddie. No, neither of us are. No, but I, I, I still have some good content on there. Okay, well, I'm, maybe I'll check it out. I'll check out your Instagram sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's see. First on the docket today, we are talking about the writers and now actor strike. Super solid transition. You just went for it. I just went for it. I feel like the first one, you just got to go in for it. Okay, just go for it. So, yeah, the writers went on strike first and then the Screen Actors Guild. And so I was wondering what all the, the three things were. And I was looking at them because I was like, well, what do these acronyms actually mean? I think I know them. But sag After was the one I was most because I, I know Screen Actors Guild. But what was AFTRA? American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, to me, seems like an outdated one. I don't know how many radio artists are in SAG-AFTRA You wouldn't anymore. consider what Bobby Carpenter does on the air artistry. He's certainly not in SAG-AFTRA. I mean, I'm not in SAG-AFTRA. I've never even, it's never even been a thing. We're not technically like performing, I guess produced work you know it's live and it's it, it's an improv art is art well i'm not in that union so i i don't know i think the radio performances dates back to like the days of like orson wells and ah uh, and all that or the world yeah that set, kind of set stuff. the public into a panic mm-hmm. little orphan annie was on mm-hmm. you know when there were radio programs that were actual shows i mean i'm, sh- I'm sure there are still some but it just seemed outdated to me it's not really the point of this mm-hmm. conversation sure though. isn't sure is not the WGA Writers Guild of America and the SAG-AFTRA are on strike. Good for them. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know, man. These studios, they, they're, it's hard out there for these studios. They, they, they are not making enough money, so they need to steal from all the low-level employees as much as possible. I'm being facetious. I was going to say, that doesn't sound relatable in the least. So the WGA Won't has anybody been... feel bad for the millionaires and billionaires? The WGA has been on strike for 77 days. This is um, Hollywood's longest strike since the 60s. A combined effort strike between the SAG and the WGA now. Uh, So that's good. State of the world. Um, (laughs) I I think the most confusing part for the consumer is, one, how does this affect me and why is this happening? It's kind of hard to sympathize with millionaires and billionaire people uh 
And I think that's sometimes where it gets lost when this first comes out is because we have such a limited view of what we really see from, quote unquote, Hollywood. So when people first see, especially uh, actors, I think that one even more so, but writers too, because there are very, very successful writers out there. Like, I don't think Aaron Sorkin is hurting for money at this point in his life. Tons of writer directors. But then the actors... This isn't for Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert Downey Jr. and Stephen Colbert, those guys. Yeah, it's not for those kind of people. They are standing in solidarity because they are part of this union and they want to see the people that they work alongside get fair treatment. But most of those people are rich enough that they could never be in another performance for the rest of their life and are probably okay. This is for people who are true working class of the Hollywood industry. And some of them, like... It's not even a full-time job for all of these people that are doing this. And they're, some of them have to obviously have side hustles and stuff. Or the work can be months apart because they might get a, a, a small role on a TV show and it's only a certain episode run and then they have to look for stuff elsewhere. Correct. So, so I think where we should start is, one, how is this affecting us? Well, the writers on strike, uh, big, big AT&T, Disney insert big studio name universal netflix now is a big player they weren't too concerned when the writers went on strike i think they were anticipating that um there hadn't seemed to be any motion really or response from those execs publicly for 77 days they have i think they have this feeling and we've seen this happen before in 2007 where they're like we can figure it out and make it work as long as the actors are still working and we can put this show together. It's all it's all laid out for us, which in a technical sense is true, but the art definitely suffers throughout. Well, Writers are necessary for this stuff. And like that was a big one too. Like if it's all written, we can just produce correct. it and film it, but the work that correct. writers do on set is also So really obviously important. some projects coming down the pipeline this year would may have been affected with some rewrites and stuff like that as far as TV goes, but for the most part, um they can continue production on stuff as long as the actors are there. Well, the actors said fuck you and um are now also sticking it to the man in this sense. So so what's everyone so angry about and why 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 this shutdown essentially why this strike um so the first big thing is streaming and how it sucks for everyone involved it sucks it sucks for the writers it sucks for the actors and apparently it sucks for the executives too but the executives it doesn't matter if it sucks for them because they still get all the money so they don't really care and they're not interested in finding solutions they're just interested in keeping capital at this point. They still get their money, which I think is a, an interesting difference just slightly that they still get they're still getting paid and getting huge bonuses and everything. But eventually they will have to pay the piper to the shareholders because as all of these different studios decided, well, we're just going to make our own streaming service instead of working with the ecosystem that had been created with. As say Netflix, Hulu, and I would even throw HBO as more of a legacy streamer in there. They were much earlier on it than all these other ones. But then everybody made their own. There's Peacock, there's Paramount Plus, there's CBS All Access, all of them. And they found themselves, I think because of it, most of them, it's hard to say for sure. I don't have you know the ticker right in front of me, but tremendously in debt because of these. And they're not turning the profit because... People are picking and choosing. I think it's twofold with that. People are picking and choosing to sometimes never get ones. Or at the very least, a lot of people, 
you and I, we stick with our streaming services pretty much once we enroll in it. We're just going to keep it forever because we'll see what content comes out. But there are people who will like get Netflix for a month to watch Stranger Things when it comes out and then get rid of Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's not a sustainable model right now. But because of that, because it's not bringing in the revenue they thought it was bringing in, they also don't have money they want to share with the people who create the content yeah. for it. But that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Also, the way that the content is rolled out now, it's either all dumped for the most part, like all these streaming services dump eight to 10 episodes versus getting, you know, a season long run, 22 episodes, 21 episodes. Um, it's creating a larger gap in between employment for these workers, background actors, regular sitcom TV actors and writers, too. Um, so yeah, that, that kind of goes back to the thing I was saying about yep. how it's not really like a full-time job anymore. Right, so that gap in employment is obviously creating a strain on them financially, and um, they can't afford to live. No, and then on the back end of it, too, is they're paid for the production of it. So in an 8 to 10 episode arc that they're they're making these series for, they're trying to cut down the number of weeks because it's not a production over the weeks of the entire year because you're not trying to fill up the calendar. You're just trying to fill up a weekend on your streaming site. And then once it's on there, they've just taken this license to be like, oh, well, we we bought the show from you. It's ours now. It's not even the same deal that like syndication, like the residuals actors will get on that. The big difference there is to be syndicated. You do, I think you do have to get to 100 episodes before you can start doing that. But if you were on a successful show, it would get syndicated. And it's still, if it's on TBS or something like that, people still get paid for all those stuff. That's why Jerry Seinfeld is still one of the highest paid comedians every single year because of all the Seinfeld residuals. Well, Jerry Seinfeld, a writer and actor on that, and mm-hmm. the writers all and also... Creator. And creator. Also, but the writers are not seeing the residuals from streaming either. No. And they came up with the tentative solution, the SAG and the WGA, that said, well, if you can't quantify the ratings for how well this is performing as far as like residuals go over time, well, then this is a third party that will do that for you. Uh, Netflix and other streaming services. And Netflix, instead of saying, okay, said... Well, we don't trust what those numbers that they would put out. Also, we're not going to give you numbers that we will put out, so you'll get nothing. The transparency of numbers is not there the way it used to be with television. Nielsen ratings might not be the most perfect scientific thing, but the good news was everybody respected it. So whatever the number was, it was at least good relative to the other numbers that Nielsen was putting out. But like you said, the obfuscation of... Streaming numbers is something that nobody really knows mm-hmm. how well something is doing. Netflix recently, I honestly think it was just to freshen up their board a little bit. I don't think they actually care about the metric, but we were talking about that a couple weeks ago where they they refreshed how they were going to determine their top 10. And now it's a, even though they must have access to the raw number of viewers number, but instead they are, it used to just be number of hours, which favored shows like Stranger Things that had like 12 hours of runtime in a season versus something that might be only a half hour show and might only be four and a half, five hours long after a whole season. But now it's how many hours watched divided by how long the season is. And then each unit out of that is one viewer. But it's still not even like that correct to me because that could be pieced together by two people who watch half a season, decide they don't like it. But they combine for at least one viewer on that. I, I find okay, well, that odd. I don't know. The well, numbers despite, of that Despite me. all of that, Netflix, Netflix can say, 
Um, this was the most watched show in Netflix history, and nobody can say jack about it because because they can't refute it. No, because they don't have the hard data. No one else has the hard data. They have the hard data, so they can say whatever they want about it. And the fact that streaming, the fact that we're inundated with new content almost on a weekly basis across various streaming platforms was creating this like boom in the industry, like a temporary boom in the industry um, until, and people probably remember this, when HBO Max turned into Max, it changes hands from one present to another. Then they just start canceling shows and movies that were already in production on mass because because of contracting and budgets and all that stuff. And they're just like, oh, well, never mind. All you people are out of a job anyway. And apparently when they like completely scrap a project or when they take it off the streaming service, which is another thing about like how there's not like hard copies of these things, or at least not even the hard copies like available to the creators of it. So sometimes when you make a streaming only product, even though you're the writer and creator, if you didn't get that on a hard copy and they take it off, you might not have access to your own work there. But the other thing when they do that. I don't know the actual business like full on of it, but I know there is some sort of tax liability implication oh, to it yeah. that they get to like write it off as yeah, like as this a was a failed project. project mm-hmm. And even though I mean, sometimes it's like Batgirl and they just completely shelve it. And that's kind of what that is made for when they literally just say this is a lost project and we are just cutting our losses and it's never it's never going anywhere. But now they're getting that benefit from taking it off a streaming site, which also saves them money anyways, because now they don't have to pay for the server space to hold that or stream it to people when they want to see it. And they seem to be doing it pretty willy nilly with it. The Max one was a great example that you brought up of like they just they cut a lot of stuff when it became Max from HBO Max. A lot of stuff that wasn't even I, I wouldn't consider them failing projects. Some people really liked a lot of the content that they were putting out, the more like niche content. Um, and they were just dumping projects. So, yeah. Speaking of dumping projects, uh, this isn't exclusive to streaming, but it also happens in, uh, you know, TV world when they, you know, have a sitcom that they are going to pilot and they have a writer's room, right? So they get the writer's room together. Usually the showrunners there also, well... It might be expensive to have all these pilots going on at once. So we're actually going to scrap the whole idea of a seven to eight person writer's room. And we're going to just bring in two to three people to help the showrunner and produce like six to seven scripts and then uh, never pay you again. So they're coming up with these things called mini rooms um, in, a, in an attempt to save money and uh, with smaller short term writers basically yeah instead of having like an actual writing staff they're basically just bringing in people to punch up what the yeah actual and people who are f- who are full-time on the show have created and they're paid less i mean it's like it's like pulling in a cro- contract employee when you could hire a full-time employee mm-hmm. in that sense so come and do the work we own the work now and you're not going to get paid for anything after it and you can only i mean really in any industry i think this is true for just about any aspect of it but you can only cut costs on the labor of it before it either implodes on itself or the quality drastically drops which kind of feels like we're looking at both of those Mm -hmm. right now because i think there is something to be said about you know television isn't quite as good as it as it once was we and it's hard because we were just coming out of like 
that golden age of yeah. television. So it had it had gone back up to an even higher quality than what it was in kind of the the heyday of everybody get around and and watch. And that was when the the cable networks really took off. But it does feel like now that they are just throwing any old slop out there and. Because it's not as much of a pilot season and they don't have to fit everything into a schedule, they'll throw something out. And if it doesn't do great right away, it's done. Shows don't have time to breathe and grow anymore. For sure. Another thing with those mini mini rooms, often those writers who aren't technically full-time staff writers for a show, even if it does get picked up, they don't have the opportunity to then assist in the production aspect of it. So... I was reading an article about this in Variety, and apparently um, in these mini writer rooms that are paid less, um, the jobs, the often the job description of a full-time writer for a show would include production. So, like, those jobs would be combined, and that's how they make their way up, like, the ladder of, like, getting experience, getting stuff under your belt, then moving up, and then becoming, like, a showrunner eventually. That would be the ultimate goal, right? But a lot of these writers that get stuck in these mini writer rooms that, you know, have to work. Like, you can't really blame these people. They have to make a living somehow. But if you get stuck in one of these writers' rooms, well, it's the same fucking thing about when people don't hire you because you you have you meet all the other qualifications but you don't have manager experience <laughs> but they won't hire you as a manager to get manager experience yeah and then when you're not like doing that set work too you're just working with other people who are in the same situation so i would imagine that they're losing out on those networking opportunities that the people who came before them had opportunities to do because especially like in a sitcom world a lot of times they just bring in a director every week and people that they know, but like then those writers would maybe get a chance to meet that person. And then maybe that person was working on a different show and was like, Oh, I know this. I know this writer. They might, exactly. they're looking, there's a lot of networking in that, in that aspect and you're losing it. And then, like I said earlier, you're also losing the ability for the writer and the director and the actors to sit there on set and actually like work together and make things better when they go, huh? That made sense when we wrote it, but now that we're performing it, I'm not so sure this works. And with the writer not there, making those changes now on the fly, you're probably not going to get, again, it's going to worsen the product eventually. You can only cut costs so much. Yeah, and you always hear those stories on set when the actor had like the stroke of genius and just did like a off-the-cuff take. Um and they came up with like the best line in the movie. Those are few and far between. A lot of the times it's an actor who is very attractive and good looking and can give a scene. But they are not Shakespeare. You still need Shakespeare. Yeah. And a lot of times some of that stuff isn't seen until it's all live and it's all coming right. together. So that's one of their uh, their points of contention with the studios. Another one is AI. AI is the devil, Bobby. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, again, it's the other thing of like, how, mu how much can we strip this down and still make movies and TV shows? How much yeah. can we not pay people? So, I mean, some of the stuff they're coming up with AI is just crazy. I mean, and it's pretty obvious for the writers. Obviously, as a writer, you don't want AI as like a, a part of, you know, the Hollywood machine because one, that just... C uh, completely takes away your job and if it's not taking away your job specifically it's taking away probably two-thirds of the workforce if you have a, a mini room of writers that's two to three writers that becomes the norm then you have ai create the rest of the show i mean like even commercials doing commercials things like that like 
stuff that's not as artistically driven yes. that is more utilitarian and just like okay it needs to be this give the prompt to the ai boom he just came up with a tide commercial great and then the mini rooms i think it goes the other way too where they will have ai write the bones of a story hire right. a mini room to make it sound like a human wrote this because ai is not perfect but it will get the bones yep. of it down give, and then yeah give chat gbt a prompt yeah and then a small writer's room can go through it and say well okay nobody would say it like this or this joke the syntax isn't actually working and change that around but again that's going to be much less work thus paying them less than if they were an actual writer's room working on an entire season of television mm-hmm. and then for the for the actors i found it Baffling. When I first read this, I thought it was a joke. So the studios in in this world where uh, AI exists, the studios would own actors' likeness in perpetuity and pay them for the equivalent of one day's work. So that means... I, and it harkens back to almost like the studio systems of yesteryear where the the actor would sign a contract with the studio, exclusive rights to make films with that studio for a certain amount of years, except... It's not you acting in the films. It's literally your image, yeah. your your image and likeness, and they own it forever. And they can use it at you as in a background for some CGI schlog of a thing on the screen. And Say, you don't uh, get paid uh, for I think it. a perfect example is like a sports movie. The crowd is usually something where they they get like one or two sections of a stadium filled up, and then they kind of superimpose it over it. But once a studio did that once. They would never even have to pay the background actors for the one or two sections. No. They could just fill up the entire stadium every time. And that one seems like a little bit less bad. But then you're talking about, well, once the technology gets good, is it just going to be, oh, the street has to be filled with people. And like, oh, we have tons of people walking around instead of mm-hmm. those extras. Again, another chance to network and possibly grow your career. No, you just went in for one day. It probably wasn't even for uh, the way they seem to be talking about it. It doesn't even sound like it's for specific projects mm-hmm. that it's more like. Okay, let's get you running. Let's get you sitting. Let's get you cheering. Let's get you with a hat. Like all this kind of stuff just so they'd have this. It's like stock photos, but for actual moving people Mm -hmm. in a movie. And And then for those background actors, too, um, I was I watched a couple of YouTube videos about this. Uh, Dan Merle and Chris Stuckman uh, did some really good ones about this topic in particular for actors. Um, The fact that the studio would own your name, image and likeness. For those sports, sporty <laughs> people out there, they would own your NIL and then it would prevent you from working with another studio as a background actor. So you would eventually reach a cap of to what kind of work you could do because once, if your likeness is sold. Yeah, once the studio owns you in that sense, I, yeah, I bet contractually it would get really sticky. And for these actors that are, you know, a lot of times when you're still going out for extra parts and stuff, you're probably struggling and mm-hmm. you just sort of have to take whatever deal you can get and it can end up putting you in something where you might have an opportunity for something that is bigger down the road and, oh, legally we actually might not be able to work you in. Yeah, I could see that mm-hmm. being an issue and then agents' jobs would get yep. so much harder and, and figuring all that out. Wow. And actually thinking about the – thinking about – um uh black mirror the episode karen is awful no joan is awful joan is awful i mean they could have someone take a dump on your face <laughs> you're and, right. like you wouldn't be able to do anything about it yeah like i i don't think it could go as far as like the the star of it could just be something that's completely ai generated i think yeah. that's the the sci-fi-ness of it but 
Yeah, the idea of just these people would just be interchangeable pieces because we've seen this before. Walt Disney was famous for this, and you see it in CGI because of how expensive it is. Like I know, like Transformers has like reused big robot establishing shots of like Earth and cities and stuff like that. But there's like what is it? The thing it's Christopher Robin is is in the forest, but it's also the kid from Jungle Book, and it's the yeah. same animation. They just you know once you bring it down to its things, you then you can put the details on it. Yeah, and that's one thing when you're saving money from an animation standpoint but it's just an example of they've always been been doing this but this seems like well now you're getting rid of the actors they weren't straight up just like using the same voice <laughs> the, the the same voice acting for different movies right both things are bad but this one is much worse for for actors because i think it also it to me it sounds like the hollywood executives they're never thinking far enough forward because it's always about growing this year and we'll figure it out mm-hmm. down the line but if you do this it's going to be an even worse environment for people who are trying to get into the business and eventually the only people that are going to be around are other people's kids yeah. how is somebody supposed to work their way up either as a writer a director a performer in this environment what path is there for somebody who is very talented of actually getting these things done and and working their way up versus they probably would have to drop out at a certain point and just go, well, I I gave it my best shot, but Mm -hmm. this isn't working, which is already something that happens. And the studio executives have some real balls to even be pulling this shit. I got to be honest, because I remember back when the pandemic, the pandemic, (laughs) when the pandemic first started, and uh, they started releasing stuff at home. They started releasing stuff on Max early. Then they changed. Dune was going to be a was going to be a simultaneous release where it would be out basically a week before in theaters, and then it would go hit streaming right away. And um, all the creators were like, "This is a bad idea." And and the executives were like, "Well, we need a return on investment immediately in these trying times, so we're going to put it on streaming." And then they liked that model, mm-hmm. and then decided to roll with it. But then, again, shooting themselves in the foot because a huge partner of the movie industry is the theaters themselves. And if the theaters are saying, well, you're not giving us the product or the product is coming in at the same time people can watch it on their 80-inch screen TV at home, we're not getting anything. We're going to have to start shutting down. They go, oh, no, no, we, we need theaters. And with the select few exceptions of people as powerful as like Tom Cruise who said no we're going to hold off on Top Gun Maverick that's going to be in theaters uh Christopher Nolan I think did that with Tenet as well but even still it got delayed but it was still in the pandemic era yeah um so the the theaters though were like this this model isn't working so then they go back but then that upsets the consumer base but then the consumer base got used to it enough that we like going to the theater but I totally get with the way things are now why people are like, eh, I'll just wait for it to come out on streaming because they come out, it's like four weeks yeah. now. It's 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 either four or six weeks between being in a theater and being available video on demand and then maybe even on a streamer faster than that. Sometimes it used to be like six months before something would come out on DVD, mm-hmm. back when you had to like go to Blockbuster and actually rent it physically. Yep. So it was like, ooh, I better go see this in theaters before I lose out of my chance or it's going to be this long. People don't feel that way anymore. And again... Something they did for short-term profit and saving it in that point is hurting it down the line. And I think they're repeating themselves there 
we're getting into a, a lot of opinion here, and by no means are we experts in any of this stuff, but this is from what we've read from people who are more involved and smarter than us mm-hmm. on this stuff and our interpretations of it. I just want to kind of throw that disclaimer in there. Well, I would like to hear your opinion about this. Um, there's been some chatter online, particularly film Twitter, about um, critics and criticism, like YouTube content creators, um, acting as scabs in studios for the studios for promotional purposes so scabs in this sense would be someone who's on strike who then comes to fill your role while you're striking uh, so it, so in the sense of that well um so if, you know basically everyone who's gonna go see the barbie movie barbie oppenheimer we're gonna be those people yeah go then talk about it and review it on their podcast or on their youtube and then that acts as promotional marketing material and the studios will probably try to bank off that a little bit um i I can see the point there a little bit, but I think another thing to remember right now, and I've heard this from, you know, kind of people in that space, is that we're currently not in a, the strike hasn't escalated to the point where they are telling people don't give any money to the studios. It is not a boycott type strike at this point. Maybe it could escalate to that. Um, So I think that's a part of it. And yeah, the the YouTube stuff does feel like um, promotion and... It's a little more sticky there in that sense. I've seen a couple of creators now who are like in solidarity with the strikers not going to be talking about new releases. However, I do not think that film criticism or critique is the same thing as promote promotion. Sometimes it's demotion. Yeah. We've seen movies that we go, no, you should not go see this. Now, that's, I think, why the Barbie Oppenheimer one is, because by all accounts, it's going to have a, both movies, I think, are going to have a lot of positive uh, critiques of them. So I think that that one's kind of a, a special example of it. But I would say that if these people truly are critics, and we like to think of ourselves as critical when we watch these movies and we talk about movies that we don't like and say, ah, it wasn't very good. So that I think is the big difference because it's not promotion. That is like when an actor is promoting and unless they, they're just kind of fed up with the production, which happens every once in a while. And those are kind of funny clips. Um, for the most part, they go out there and they smile and they talk about how good the movie is and how excited they are for it. And it's, it can it can be real, but it can also be tremendously fake. They're performing in those aspects of it too because they're trying to promote the movie that they're in. It's part of their contract, so that's where I do see yeah a big difference is studios aren't paying, especially people like us, to go and talk about their movies or do anything like that. So yeah, the the studios might benefit from it, but I, they can still pay for all the promotion that they want that doesn't include the actors, trailers you know showing up on banner ads on espn.com so it's not like promotion is completely gone anyways Mm -hmm. yeah i'll tell you what the studio should be paying for um fucking publicist because bob Iger, when uh when the actors first went on strike it was announced and i'm not making this up him and a bunch of other very very rich executives were all at this thing called what it's referred to as billionaires summer camp where they all fly their cute little private jets that aren't killing the environment out to the middle of the fucking desert nowhere they showed that b-roll of all the jets at the little airport there and it's just like oh you guys couldn't have jet pooled at all so all the little billionaire baby boys go out to their stupid little bunkers and fuck Bum fuck nowhere. And they all... Baby Billy's Bible bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and they all t- 
talk to each other and circle jerk it to how much money they have. They all they all circle jerk it onto a pile of cash. And just how unrealistic all these working types are for wanting health care and <laughs> pay commensurate with how good the project is. So uh, Bob, Iger, Bob Iger gave a an interview and faced some backlash over a couple of comments he gave about how um, how upsetting and and dangerous it is for these actors to be striking like this and blah 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 it's like you sound so tone deaf well he was talking too about like yeah like how we had just gotten through this period of disruption from the pandemic and we were we're not fully out of it Mm -hmm. which is he's telling the truth on that on that front end of the statement but then he calls well, but then this is just going to be so much more disruptive and the damage it'll do is, it could be untold as we're still trying to... And it's like, yeah, Bob, it's supposed to be disruptive. It's a strike. It's a labor strike. That's the whole point. It's why there's mm-hmm. unions for this. Like, and I will say this. Bob Iger has been going to bat down south with DeSantis over the whole Disney thing. And, you know, kudos for him for, you know, showing showing them down there who really run shit in Florida, right? <laughs> The dollar cash is king, right? Yeah. Dollar still speaks louder. Um, so in that sense, good for him. However, comma the fact that as a studio executive, you're making I don't even know triple four times, ten times. Might what, even be more than that, depending on I like mean, which, which which person you're looking at. Right? Where on the yeah, just unspeakable amounts of money off of the back of these under underpaid workers. You should not be speaking about it at all. I got to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a power play from them to to say it. And but the, it's, the CEOs, it's stupid. It wasn't even received well. I think amongst the group of his peers, like that's why no one else has come out to defend the comments. Well, and now apparently, like behind closed doors, it's being said that like the idea from the executives is that, especially with the writers, which they've been doing already, but it's going to happen with the lower level people too. It's going to make it difficult that they're just going to wait it out. Yeah. That they say, well, the losses we take will will hurt us, but you guys will actually like stop being able to pay rent and stop being able to afford food, which is basically just like cartoonishly evil yeah. <laughs> to it's, approach I mean, it that way. Yeah. And just like not they're like not even like in good faith going to the negotiating table with this right now. I saw one that one of the proposals was thrown out there and like it was just a list of rejected, rejected, rejected. And like some of them are like Making sure that you like stay up to date with like the amount of breaks that there should be for meal times and things like that. Rejected. It just is. <sighs> I don't. It, it's hard for me to go to the other side and take the devil's advocate of like, all right, what is the studio's point of view? Is are these ridiculous and you know overreaching demands? From the people. And maybe when you go through the whole list and you actually negotiate, yeah, there are some that it's like, hey, that's not going to be realistic for the studio. But until they actually do sit down and negotiate it fairly and like that they're actually trying to come up with a solution, it's really hard for me to find a way to f- feel bad for the studios. Like they're the ones who are, are hurting here and that they, yeah. they, that something needs to be done about this or what, what about the studios? Yeah, it's really hard to not be like, eat the rich about this when they are cutting down the trees Jeez. that are on the sidewalks where people are like forming picket lines to get rid of shade for them in like 90 degree heat and like it's so across un- the street from the studio it's so incredibly unsubtle the the picture i sent you today of yeah. like they didn't like 
trim these trees to make them give off less sh- uh, shade. They basically cut off at the point of the branch where leaves start on the entire thing. So they're just like, they're just wood now. There's, I mean, there's some they're residual leaves, but yeah. yeah, they're just like, but they didn't cut down the trees. They just cut down off the branches. It looks terrible. Again, a city uh, famous for its air quality really needed <laughs> those branches. And just, again, like a cartoonishly evil and transparent thing yeah. to do in this moment. Uh, and, and also in this day and age where like transparency is just so apparent, like with the internet and stuff like that, where I just don't know how, again, hire a publicist. <laughs> Who thought that this was a good idea? It just makes you look stupid. Again, like, yeah, like a cartoon villain in this. That's what it looks like to me. And the there were some people getting in there. They're like, oh, let's try to get the studio in trouble because, like, under certain ordinances, you can't do this to trees that are on public property. And so we'll see if the tree law people on Twitter that were trying <laughs> to get that going can, can do it. But I don't think that the studios were worried about tree law. No, and they just moment. they just need, like, one more rousing speech from the nanny for, for the actors and writers. And who knows, the directors, Christopher Nolan's probably on board, to mobilize, march down and burn down universe. Universal Studios. Based on the movie you just made, Christopher Nolan knows how to use bomb. Warner Brothers, you're next. He made a bomb. There is no CGI in that movie. He said it three times. Uh, One more thing that I wanted to hit uh, that, oh, is there going to be no production? Uh, Apparently, SAG-AFTRA is open to granting waivers for uh, some indie projects, but it's going to be for a very select few, and it has to be like, completely independent so not just that the production is independent but they can't have had a deal for distribution with uh, one of the big studios or uh, you know any sort of connection that they're finding that is like still with the studios or the studios might benefit from this production that's not going to be the one so don't get your hopes up too much for that much more being produced but that's something that's there and now i will say i support the actors i support the writers and i support the whole initiative I'm very happy that we got all the Barbie promo that we did because Margot Robbie was pulling out looks out her ass, dude. She looks so good. Great publicist. Great stylist. Speaking of publicist and stylist, um, get ready for that as this goes on. Especially the writers one will will delay this even more because once the it will all get resolved eventually, hopefully in a in an amicable way, but. The actors will then be ready to, to act, but there won't be anything written. Yeah. So even though this could end, I, I don't know what the timeline looks like, but it could end theoretically. It could end tomorrow. But that does not mean that things are going to be on the same track that like I know Abbott Elementary just a few like a couple weeks in had already like said, oh, we're going to be delayed for the start of the third, fourth, third season. Third. Season. I think it's third. But that's my point. Um, Get ready because we saw this in 2007. Gonna be a lot of reality content for you out there. We're oh already getting gosh. old people bachelor. Oh, have we talked about this? Old people bachelor. Oh my god, the golden bachelor. When I tell you, you asked me today what I wanted to talk about. I was having kind of a you know things that I watched. I wasn't really sure. You know, we, you won't let me talk about Outlander, so I was like, okay, well, what am I gonna talk about? Outlander. And then I remembered. Literally, I almost had a stroke in the parking lot, and I stopped myself. I said, oh my god. How how could I forget about The Golden Bachelor? I am so excited about this. I have not been ex- this excited about The Bachelor. Oh, you want old in people bachelor. Years. I tweeted in 2019 
to get one of the dads like there was a single dad and i said get him on the bachelor he should be the bachelor old people bachelor old people fuck this is a stance on the show if old if people love old people so much then why aren't they fucking them (laughs) well that's uh yeah from what solar opposites right uh i guess it's i'll give it credit for being more well thought out than milf manor so oh, at least there's Milf that. Manor was bad, 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 bad. And, but you know the thing with Milf Manor was, like, old women and old men do not suffer from the same ailments, right? So I don't know if there's going to be like a, like a uh, honeymoon, no honeymoon, like the the sweets, the okay. fantasy sweets, right? Mm. What are they going to do in the fantasy sweets? If he's having some performance issues. Oh, well, I'm sure they can get a sponsor he's in there se- for that. <laughs> he's 71 years old, though, right? He's 71? Yes, he's oh, it's 71. That, it's that old. Yes, golden, babe, golden. Okay, this is not midlife crisis bachelor. This is... No, this is... Retiree bachelor. Borderline geriatric, but, like, still looks good. <laughs> she needed a walker before we went to the fantasy suite, and she's going to need one after. <laughs> is that what we're looking at? Yes, exactly. But like they've already done a bunch of pr- promotion with like his kids and his grandkids. They have like the pictures up and blah, blah, blah. It's going to be fantastic. Law of Infinite Probability does at least give some credence to the idea that old people could bang themselves into less uh, ailments orthopedically. Mm. It's possible. It also readjust your back. It also might raise the stats for uh, the couples that make it because they they can't break up if they're dead. Ones that will make it to death do us part. Yes, at least. because yes. the death gets there faster. You mm-hmm. understood where I was going with that. So we will definitely be talking about the Golden Bachelor some more. All right, Old People Bachelor. One more thing I wanted to hit because uh, it interested me last week when we went to our local grocery store and the Red Box was... At that point, it didn't have any of the movie posters on it. So, you know, it normally has like the little plastic part that will have like the little movie posters and then the one with the screen. And I was like, huh, that's that's weird. Why, why is that? And then the next time I went, just a few days later, it was gone. It was just gone. No <laughs> Redbox. So I will keep you guys up to date with our local Redbox is back. But I was interested. Is Redbox like closing down? Because I could totally see how that would be a, an ailing business where people can just stream things so easily. So why rent a physical Redbox DVD? But a few things from this article, and we don't have to talk about it long, but I stumbled upon this, which is not really related. But the first thing is Redbox's parent company is Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment, like the the self-help book or whatever. Like Chicken noodle soup with some soda on the side. I, so I, that was, and they, they apparently had recently, you know, within the last few years, acquired them. But I didn't know Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment was this big of a, of a company that they could own. Redbox, but then on top of that, this article was about oh, their new idea. So they have a uh, they have this ad platform called Crackle Connects, and that's what th- what does this. So they have the screen on Redbox, and they well, how can we boost revenue? Well, we can do third party brands that will have their ads run alongside. This is their idea for content on the screens at Redbox. Keep in mind these are at Walmart, usually outside. They're in front of your grocery store, sometimes by bigger gas stations. They're gonna run. TikToks on these screens. Ludicrous. I don't understand. Like, TikToks are, yeah, definitely visual, but also like audio also, content. What? And no. they're long. What like, TikToks? some of them could be three minutes long. Who's going to stand there and be like, well, this is an interesting TikTok? Now, I will say, I will say, 
if they were showing a roll for sandwich on one of those little screens, you dead ass would stand there for a minute and a half. That's because I'm a fan of roll for sandwich. I know, but you know, if <laughs> but it's, it's not going to be my algorithm on the red box. <laughs> if it's a revolving door of popular TikToks. So Felipe Guelton, chief revenue officer of Crackle Connects, the ad part of this chicken soup for the soul business had this to say (laughs) business this new partnership provides advertisers a unique opportunity to reach new audiences and drive engagement our red box kiosks are in high traffic locations where millions of people frequently shop such as grocery stores or value retailers we look forward to working with tiktok on expanding this partnership as our d-o-o-h network expands Direct something, D-O-O-H. Okay, I, like, I don't know what it means. Hell? They didn't put it in here, what it what it means. I, I think I've seen the acronym before, and it, it's something direct to, to people. Mm. But TikToks, are, it's just like, is there going to be employees at Redbox who like are just on TikTok all day and approve, oh, this one is good enough. Like, I'm sure they'll have some sort of rule. Like, they can't just let, can you imagine if they let the algorithm go wild and people got to like and like scroll on TikTok on the red box and how problematic that could get immediately. Immediately. Even like the mukbangs are questionable. Sometimes when I watch a video for too long, maybe even like it, but sometimes not even like it. I get too many TikToks that are similar to it or something. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't need all of that. I just, that one one is interesting to me. What? In what uh, context are we talking? Uh, actually, my TikTok is pretty clean. It is not filled with a, a, a bunch of hot girls or anything. The one I noticed is I finally followed Adventures in Ardia, the Roll for Sandwich guy. Mm. And now every copycat of Roll for, there's Roll for Barbecue, there's Roll for Burrito. I do kind of like the Roll for Burrito one. There's <laughs> Roll for Pizza. There's you know whatever you could think of to make Roll for Cocktail. And I'm like, I don't want to see all the Roll Fours, except for Burrito. I also like that one, like I said. I don't need to, but then they just keep coming up. And I'm like, no, no. There needs, to, TikTok needs, it doesn't need to be, available to people but it needs and maybe this functionality is there and i just don't know how to use it but it needs more of a no dislike out of my algorithm button Mm. well i i just hope to god that you know the creators of whatever this freaking ad is on my tiktok about these werewolves it's like a werewolf pack and you know she's she's with the alpha and then the alpha rejects her whatever i hope that they aren't part of is sag that the or the fan BGA. fiction thing yeah i don't know i just keep every installment of this i keep getting updates but they're in the they're they're only ads on tiktok you can't click the tiktok and watch it you'd have to download an app i refuse to do that so every time i see an ad i watch it for a little bit to see if it's like the next installment that i haven't seen cuz right now she's with the other leader and and they're trying to prove that the the other alpha was like i don't know trying to kill her or something oh, and no. like put them on trial i know it's crazy but i need the next part of that so they need to keep writing that fanfic for me and yeah. with those actors specifically okay well i'm glad you got that in cuz i was actually earmarking that last bit of time to talk about outlander oh, but Jesus you got something Christ. else in that you're watching so we'll get to outlander next week actually Next week, let us know which one you're seeing at uh, underscore Chops TV on Twitter. You can also follow us on TikTok at underscore Chops TV there as well. We'll post uh, highlights from the show and everything. But 
Are you going to the double feature this weekend, Barbenheimer? Are you going to just one of them? Which one are you going to if you're doing the double feature? What order are you seeing them in? The schedule is highly contended. We are excited for our Barbie lunch Oppenheimer schedule for it. And and that is a schedule. Barbie, here's my logic, right? Go in at 11 a.m. Barbie. We start the day off right, feeling good. It's feeling just under great. two hours. It's not yeah. a too long of a movie. Not not overly committing ourselves. Lunch, right? Because we need food, restroom, blah blah blah. Run back to the theater. Then we're in the zone for three hours. I'm ready to give myself over to the experience that is going to be Oppenheimer. I feel like you do Oppenheimer first. You're you are really banking on that. You're gonna have the lasting power to get through. Not just for two more yeah, hours not just of movie for the runtime of Oppenheimer, but right. just the subject matter of it. And uh, yeah, I think it'd be a little heavy right. to like, I'm to not going to watch reverse and go, let's do another movie. I'm not going to watch people blow up Japan and then be like, oh, let's go to Barbie. No, I need some, I need a little bit of buffer there. So I figure Barbie in the morning, Oppenheimer for uh, the prime time. We'll carbo load with some pasta in the middle there. Oh, yeah, I might I might uh, unleash some atomic bombs in that AMC restroom, if you know what I mean. Oh, <laughs> boy. Well, you guys have that uh, to, <laughs> to hear about how that experience was next week. We'll be back. I'm Chops. I'm JLo. It's Chops TV. Thanks for listening. Chops TV is made possible by people who subscribe to podcasts and viewers like you.